We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 48, Storming the Castle. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? I'm handsome. How are you, David? That's great. Uh, you want to tell us again what your win rate is in uh, Vintage Masters? Uh, I ended up 2 one some yesterday, and we dropped from 85% to 83%. Okay, so just... Just 83%. Yeah, I was saying yesterday on your stream that I think it's uh, it's better expected value for your opponents to just scoop to you instead of actually playing out their matches. I agree. So if you find me in a game of Vintage Masters between now and then, just go ahead and scoop them up. Now, I'm, I'm 35 wins out of 42 matches. It feels pretty good. I like this format. And I'm sad to see it go, but not sad to see it go if I get to cube. It's true. Merry Cubemas. Merry Cubemas to you, sir. All right. Uh, so because it's Cubemas... And we both want to learn how to draft Storm. We have brought on a special guest this week, returning guest, Cube Master himself, Tomi Tuovenen. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm I'm also handsome, but not quite as much as Samuelin. All right, <laughs> we can't all be handsome. No, no. Okay, so that, I guess sure that makes be. me. I guess that makes me the not handsome one for this podcast. I can play that role this week, but I am also playing the role of Cube Noob. I would say. Um, so we've brought on Tommy this week and Travis to uh, discuss basically Vintage Cube. It comes out in, from this recording, two days. Um, so it'll be Wednesday this week. This podcast probably goes up on Thursday. Actually, are we doing this before? I think I can, it, depending on how fast you can get me the, the files, yeah, we can get this up a little early. Okay, so this will actually be out before the Cube launches then. So uh, you can use this as a an audio guide to uh to how to draft storm but mostly how to draft cube in general how to get the most enjoyment out of it uh we're going to drop some knowledge on you about the archetypes um go over some of the changes in the cube from this year uh compared to last year to uh to get those that are experienced in cube caught up we're just going to kind of have a good time here and and, uh encourage you all and myself to play cube over the holiday season there's really no better time of the year uh to play cube than the holiday season we're in the lame duck period between sets uh, you know, the, the the flashback sets are kind of boring and stale, vintage masters aside. Uh, so this is this is a good time of year on Magic Online, and uh, it's a unique opportunity for you. So, I mean, I guess we just probably just dive right in. So um, Cube, in general, is a vintage Cube, I should say, is a powerful format. Um, would you agree that you should be doing busted, broken, dumb things by default? Is that is that safe to say? As much as you can. <laughs> so what what are your favorite dumb busted things to do in in this format? What are my favorite ones? Uh Palinchrome. <laughs> Palinchrome, Yogmoth's will, anything storm related? Basically anything storm related. I, I like casting things, basically anything. Unfortunately, my very favorite one was removed actually two iterations ago, which was uh Villainous Wealth villainous wealth mm, nemesis yes. wave yeah nemesis yeah wave. yeah that was um that was a cons block wasn't it oh yes 
X, blue, black. Look at your opponent's deck. Blue, black, blue, black green. Oh, green. right. It, it was, was basically type. basically the same as uh, Genesis Wave, except you look at your opponent's deck and instead cast all the spells from their deck. Yeah, I remember that card. X or less. Oh, good times. Oh, yeah. Uh, Travis, what's your favorite thing to do in cube? I tend to get into one of the two blue enchantments if, if I can. Actually, I guess it's not an enchantment, but the upheaval deck, if I can find it, which usually goes in blue green and is a heck of a lot of fun. Um, opposition is fun. We can do that. Uh, there's always kiki jiki shenanigans to be done. And if I have to, I can still play aggressive strategies. And then mono green ramp is fine too. I've typically shied away from storm other than once uh, Tommy came on stream and helped me kind of figure that out. So I'm hoping to pick up from him how to storm as well. I can see us spending a lot of time on Storm today. Uh, the very f- few times that I've drafted Cube, um, it has been Mono Green Ramp Crater Hoof because that was easy to pick up and it was very obvious what to do in that deck. You open Crater Hoof and then pick up a bunch of ramp. But I look forward to uh, trying some different decks this time around, I think. Um, you know, holidays are um, always busy for me, but luckily I'm home in time to finish off the Cube before Rivals of Lixalon comes out. So I look forward to drafting it once or twice at least. So let's just dive right in. So before we get into the archetypes, um, Tommy, are there any cards in the cube that are kind of archetype uh, agnostic that can you can you you want to pick these up all the time? They're great first picks. Now this is the power aside. So this is a powered cube. So you have your mocks. You have your time walk. Um, is there a time twister? I don't remember. But there's um, all yes, of the, all of the the good cards. The entire power nine is in the entire power nine. So those are the obvious first picks. Um, But what are some maybe not so obvious first picks that uh, go regardless of what archetype you're trying to force? Well, similarly to a legacy cube, any sort of lands, specifically the ones that you can fetch and then obviously fetch lands, go rather well in any strategy because you often don't know where you're going with the first couple of picks. So picking up a land lets you play your favorite colors much more easier. And they also like... There is this, there's only a certain supply of lands, but there is, in fact, we checked with Simulin before this happened, there are nine and a half one-mana elves in this cube. So if you get to pick up your, your breeding pool or your tropical island, you're not going to find a third one, but you will find a third mana elf. Okay, uh, interesting. So so lands are more important. Um, now, we've seen in, in formats past where if you take a bunch of lands, your sideboard is pretty thin sometimes. Is is that a problem in this cube? Is that, or, or are all the cards just powerful enough that you'll always have a sideboard plan? Yeah, not so much. The uh, I guess unlike in a regular limited format, your sideboard cards, the ones you are actually going to bring in, are very specific, and uh, they will like try to counter one specific strategy so you don't just have like a general sideboard where you can slightly adjust the like the mana curve of your deck to fit better your opponents but instead you're gonna try to have like a card that completely nullifies your opponent's strategy as the card you bring in so it's it's not a big deal if your sideboard is not deep okay um and then we've also got some other mana artifacts that we've seen in uh in the past so not just the mocks but we've seen uh there's signets in this cube um in formats past those have been kind of drafted highly uh does that does the same apply here or does that usually only apply if you are in a in a ramping or or mana heavy strategy no it's the same thing again here it's like that's one of the 
easy cheaty things you can do is get a bunch of mana on turn one and turn two by generating a bunch of colorless mana rocks or whatever just like ways to generate a lot of mana for your going off turns and it doesn't really matter what strategy you're in but if you can generate more mana than just the regular once one per land you're gonna be in a good position so any mana rocks especially the colorless ones work really well okay finally before we get into the archetypes then are there any other cards that i've missed here um that we should be looking for specifically just 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 to keep us open out of those first couple of picks i i want to jump in and mention something about the lands that i don't think a lot of people grasp initially and it's that because of the fetch land and dual land mana base you can end up having for example a white blue deck that's using a um scalding tarn blue red fetch land a blue red fetch land and then it has like a red black land in the deck that it can use to splash this other color so like there's times where you'll be using fetch lands to fix your mana that you wouldn't typically see in a constructed list right so like just be aware as you're looking through there for splash enabling or even fixing for a two color deck because of the nature of those dual lands and the fact that you can go find them with one particular fetch like I've had scenarios where I was using you know a dual that didn't look like it fit and a fetch that didn't look like it fit that just made the mana beautiful for this deck. So like it, it's really not crazy to take um, specifically blue uh, fetchable lands and blue fetches pretty doggone early in this this cube. Mm. Yeah, and that would brings, you that actually sorry, I was going like, to say would you weigh blue heavier than the other colors in this cube? Yeah, that like, was exactly like, what the point of why I was coming to as well, which was. Uh, conveniently covers the gap between your question and what Simulin said is that blue is the color which you often tend to lean towards if you're unsure as to where you're going because blue lets you have these other pretty high picks that don't really like specify your strategy such as like ponder and brainstorm and other cheap cantrips which you will play in almost any deck regardless of your your plan and that exactly helps you like get to play these cards if you're picking up blue fetches and, and blue dual lands early. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I think that's a great place to start. Cause I think, I think the lands in, in formats like this, I think the lands are always the most difficult to, to teach new players. Um, and that's where I think you can get a lot of your edge. You know, we saw that with the bounce lines in the previous formats, plural where, um, you know, generally it was correct to take a bounce land, but it was difficult, you know, for, for me sometimes, but even just for, for new players in general, it's like, well, why would I take a land? There's this great two drop that I could put in my deck. Um, mm. You can get those two drops. You can get those replaceable cards in, in this cube. There are a lot of cards that have effects that cover or that you can find on multiple cards. So like you said, you mentioned the elves, but there's like, obviously there's removal. There's, um, uh, you know, cards like mystic snake and, and Snapcaster, which sometimes do the same thing. Um, you know, cards that, that destroy artifacts and enchantments. There's all sorts of these replaceable effects throughout, throughout the cube but if you miss your volcanic island um or your scalding tarn or something like that you're, you're not going to get another one of those mm. it's going to be very difficult to fix your mana so mm. even okay. after even after all these years it's still like a disciplined choice to take a land because the land just doesn't seem powerful yep. so you just have to like you have to force yourself to to think that yes this land will make my deck 
We talked about it some on stream in the Vintage Master sets when taking Cycling Lands. If you're going to draft 23 cards and then play 17 basics, but I draft five lands, then I'm playing five more of my picks than you are. And that's going to increase the quality of my deck. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's just dive right in. Let's just, uh, we got a lot of archetypes to cover here. So um, let's let's dive right in. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with cube? Or I mean, cube, uh, storm. Let's just spend half an hour talking about storm. <laughs> I think we could cover up some of the less... Uh, less confusing strategies, the the easier to grasp ones that we're going to like skim through. Some something that we are probably not as interested to play, but we should recognize that they exist and people will win games with them. Absolutely. Now, now I say archetypes, um, but you you brought up a good point earlier uh, in in the warm up show where they're not really archetypes; they're more decks built around a specific card or or couple of cards um, that that build your archetype. So it's not like color pair and, and things like that, even though a lot of them do end up falling into that. But it is more of a specific card strategy. So right. um, let's go down the list, uh, pick one to start with, and and let's dive right in. All right, let's start from. Uh... My list is reversed. So the, the obvious first one is the Goblin Guide dot deck, or if you prefer, a Lightning Bolt dot deck, which is mono red, cheap stuff, burn your face, attack you with my one mana two twos, kill you. This is very similar to what the Legacy Cube deck does, or Legacy Legacy Cube version of this does, and it's very same as what the modern mono red deck does, or the burn decks do. It just in, in Vintage Cube, you get to do this way faster. You have If you have your Red Mox, if you have your Black Lotus, you can shoot three Lightning Bolts in turn one, which means you basically cut down your clock by four turns. So, very straightforward. There isn't really much to talk about, but a lot of people favor this deck because it's easy to pick up, very easy to draft, rather easy to pilot, and it gets you a lot of wins against people who tried to do janky things like me. Now, Travis, this seems like a deck that's kind of right up your alley in in these style of formats. You seem to play kind of the aggressive red, red-white style decks. Is a burn deck similar to that, or you prefer the creature-based style of aggressive deck? This deck is a creature-based deck, right? So you're, you're looking for all of the, the red one-drops and that sort of thing. And you can kind of do this with any color, honestly, in, in the uh, Legacy Cube. and Vintage Cube, it's a little bit harder, but like there's a, a, a black-white aggressive deck. I don't think blue is as aggressive here as it was before, but like any, any sort of fair strategy like this, you're still looking to come out very quickly and try to punish the players who are looking to do this janky stuff before they can get it going. Right. So basically what you're saying is if you can cast Tinker turn one or two, you got me. But if you can't, I'm going to make you have whatever you're trying to do by turn four or you're dead. And that's a strategy that I don't mind going into. Like I said, I'll I'll still look for these kind of archetype defining cards. And if I can grab those, I'm going to do that. It's a heck of a lot more fun. But if I can't, uh, winning tickets is also fun. So I like I'm not opposed to Goblin Guide, Lightning Bolt or, you know, a deck with hero of blade hold in it and, and a, a bunch of white winnies. Like I'll play these style decks, um, but it, it it's not my go-to. Okay. Now in, it, it seems that in formats past, the mono red deck has been like kind of frowned upon as being not what you want to be doing in a cube. Fun police. Yeah. But like, is it because it, it sucks or is it because it's just not fun to play against? Like, is it actually a good deck in this format? Do you think? 
I think it's more powerful in Legacy Cube than it is in Vintage Cube, but it is it is still a very much a real threat, and it will win a lot of games if drafted and piloted correctly. Okay. People complain about it because it's so good. It's like, I built this cool storm deck, and I was going to do all these things, and they killed me on turn three with freaking Goblin Guides and you know Lotus into Thunder Maul Hellkite, and this is just yeah. stupid. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> Why don't I hear anybody complaining about me winning on turn one on the play with Storm, but... The reverse happens with mono red. I don't know. It's it's all about skill base, man. It's all about skill. There's no <laughs> skill to play mono red, right? That's what I understand. Skill zero, you. Skill, skill zero. zero yeah. Um. So so looking at the spoiler here, looking at some of the the new cards in from from Amon Ket, um, I see a hazard and actually really just a hazard that I'm looking at here mm-hmm. now. There's a glory bringer what, too. What, there's a glory bringer too. Where are you capping out your curve in this deck? Is it four? Is it five? Like, is there room for a hazard in this deck? That depends on your amount of like we discussed earlier, Mana Rocks. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have a Black Lotus, you can very easily play your Glorybringers or your uh, Thundermaw Hellkites or whatever. But I don't think you can ever really... Like, in the aggressive red deck, you can probably never play more than one 5-drop. And in general, uh, I would prefer to stick my curve to one, 1s, 2s, and 3s. Okay. So, so Hazards... If, if you pick up a Hazard, it's probably the only top like top card yeah. in the deck yeah it's like um i'm not sure if hazard is better than hell rider which is the premium four drop for mono red but we'll see okay good to know uh and we'll go over a lot of these changes in the cube uh kind of at the end of the podcast here for those those experienced players all right so we've got red mono red goblin guide dot deck that's great i, I, I know how to draft that mm-hmm. um what's next on kind of your your key card archetype list i think another uh Another rather easy one to pick up is the Armageddon deck, which is often a mono-white deck which features creatures from CMC 1 to 4, and then it tops out its curve by playing either Armageddon or, uh, oh god, what's the other one called? Ravages of War. Yeah, that one, which is like, the strategy basically revolves around, here's a clock, and I'm going to prevent you from doing anything. That's That's the plan. And and for those that don't know, this is this is basically the land destruction deck. One of them. One of one them. One of them. One of them. The it's the white version of the land destruction deck. So um this version, you said flood the board, wipe your opponent's land so they can't deal with it anymore, and then you just plunk them over a couple of turns and the game is over. Now, what's so what's the other version of the land destruction deck then? That would be Wildfire. So that's a red card. It is a red-based deck that often like wildfire decks often revolve around you resolving a bunch of artifact mana or uh, like planeswalkers, things that aren't killed by wildfire. And then then blowing up all the lands and winning with those cards instead of uh, the regular creature-based aggro. And the key to these decks, obviously, are your brown mana, your artifact mana. If you don't have that, you pretty much don't have this deck, right? Armageddon's often work without brown mana because they go, they, they like put the clock on the table first and then Armageddon. Whereas wildfire decks are more of the more of the style that first ramp up blow up the lands and then deploy my threat with my artifact mana okay that's often how it works of course since this is vintage cube you can make a green white deck that ramps up with artifacts casts armageddon and then deploys their dromoka or whatever yeah that's true i mean and because the cards are so powerful and because the fixing is so great in this format like you can you can straddle these strategies quite easily right 
yeah. like 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 you you can you can combine like a, a a white weenie armageddon style deck with you know green ramp to try to ramp out a crater hoof like that's something you could do in this format um you can you but you could. probably shouldn't i think if yeah. you're thinking about cube you need to think about it almost as if you're drafting a constructed deck so like when we draft in and out in regular you know limited formats we're drafting some flavor of a mid-range deck because that's essentially what all Ixalan decks are M and cat decks that sort of thing like sometimes they'll lean aggressive sometimes they'll lean controlly but it's usually a mid-range deck whereas here I'd, I'd usually rather have a focused strategy if i can get it so like white winnie ramp isn't really a thing i want to do and I, I don't have to there's there's enough cards in here that that i can kind of move into one of those directions i can be white winnie or ramp now you can still splash one of these powerful game affecting cards, but like Armageddon's not going to be so great in my ramp deck, um, and, unless I've built some sort of, and I've seen like these white green decks that are, you know, get out a bunch of elves, then Armageddon, then cast a big thing. Like you, you can do something like that, but I'd still rather stay focused rather than straddle two strategies here. Okay, I definitely agree. That's, that's great that's yeah. why i'm asking these questions yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again there's um, like there's unlike a regular booster which is 15 cards which like in in ixalan how many cards semi-lane on average in an excellent booster are completely unplayable three 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 out of 14 yeah i would say three out of 14 are completely unplayable and then maybe yeah. three out of the 14 are actually good yeah and then you have like fringe card or like filler cards in the between Mm-hmm. in vintage cube you have 15 bombs in your booster so you're not going to be short of cards like when you st- select your strategy when you finally decide to now i'm going to move in on this armageddon you, let's say mid pack two you have uh 10 blue cards and 10 white cards and you decide i'm going to do armageddon which means you're going to have 30 30 something white cards and the 10 blue card you can just ignore and they're all yeah. going to be playable Okay. So, I mean, as an aside then, um, I found in cube, pick one, pack one is always the hardest for me or or pick two even. Like, it just seems that there's so many good cards. How do you kind of filter out the noise? And so assume you don't open power and assume you don't open lands and fixing. I guess you probably always will. But like, where do you start to look for or how do you start to define which card is better than which when you're looking at kind of your first couple of picks? I always try to aim to pick up the, like, if, if possible, I will try to pick up the key card for the archetype. Like, for example, we've discussed, like I said, that these archetypes are defined by a card or a specific effect, such as if I pick up, like, a, my pack one is something weird. I pick up, say, uh, what's a really bad pick? The best card in the pack would be like Grove of Burn Willows or something. So I'm like, this doesn't really help me. Or I pick up like an artifact on, on, on the first pack. I pick up the Mana Vault. Mm-hmm. On pack two, I don't see another good signal, but I see an Armageddon. This would tell me that, oh, I'm going to pick up this defining card, which I now have like a, a basis for my deck. And I can then fill out this deck with any white weenies I want. Or I can, like there, like I said, there's going to be enough cards. So if you have the crucial pieces for your deck, the rest of your deck will get filled out throughout the draft. Okay. Now, it's important to note that uh, I believe the cube is 540 cards. So you're not going to see necessarily um, 
Every like a, a specific card, right? Yes. So there will be cubes or there will be drafts uh, that that Armageddon just doesn't show up in, right? Or that I mean, is... it could also get cut before it gets to you. But um, yes. this happens you, to you... me so often. That, <laughs> yeah, I pick up like for, I, I will come back to this in the in the when we get to the storm. But it's like when I start picking up these crucial storm pieces because storm is a very uh, it's it's like a, a very hard to build machine. You can't just it doesn't work around one card. So I start picking up these pieces for my storm deck and I have this like a very well-oiled machine of how to get there, but then I'm missing the actual payoff. I've had this happen so many times that they're just in the draft. They didn't have any of the storm payoffs, zero, which one of my most favorite ones of this was I had the perfect palinchron deck. I had like 10, 10 ways to make infinite mana. I had 10 ways to make infinite storm. And my only win condition in the deck was a 4-5 Paling Crown and a hard cast Emrakul Eon's Thorn. <laughs> that deck went 3-0, awesome. by the way. That's awesome. Just to top it off, yeah. No that storm is... cards, no, no other actual ways to win a game. That's great. Okay, so so that that just kind of solidifies it that you should be trying to pick up your key cards as early as possible, yeah. um, so that it, just in case, because otherwise, like if they're not open, then you know you could easily just go into something else. It's also totally fair to like pick a key card for one archetype, pick a key card for another archetype, pick a key card for a third, and then see which ones actually open. Mm-hmm. So, like taking upheaval, Armageddon, Wildfire, you're not going to play all of these. But you can figure out which ones you can play and then sort of build around that afterwards. Oh, yeah. Right. That's a very good strategy. Okay. Um, well, let's, Travis, why don't we talk about uh, upheaval since this is one of your favorites and is very similar to the land destruction one that we just talked about. It is and it isn't, right? Like uh, upheaval is one of my favorite cards. And there's, there's, it often goes in a blue green strategy. And it also is is sort of like the upheaval slash opposition deck. So I, I think it's worth talking about these at the same time. If, if you pick up either of these, you want to go for a mana elf strategy so that when I slam opposition, I can tap my elves to tap your lands and keep you from casting anything and then just kill you eventually. Or if I draw the upheaval, which also plays really nicely with mana rocks, right? I, I can cast all these mana rocks float a ton of mana, cast the upheaval, and then rebuild my board faster than you're able to. And then there's things like Eternal Witness in the cube that will let me get it back and do it again if I have to. So these are just ramp strategies to a particular payoff. Uh, My favorite versions of this have upheaval and opposition. And like for me, typically, if I get past an upheaval or opposition, I'm now in this deck. It doesn't matter what I was doing before. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. Because it's, it's, it's... it's one of those things that's just so miserable when you get the lockdown that you're like, there's so many times I've just played up people and they scoop or I play opposition and they scoop. And those are things that make me happy. You're a monster. I really am. I really am. But th- those two cards are both just so powerful. Um, a people six mana bounce everything. So if I have nine mana in play and bounce everything, it's sort of like wrathing, but I get to recover first. And then opposition lets me tap a dude to tap one of your dudes or a land. So like that one's the reason it works so well with the elves is the elves kind of ramp you to it. 
And then afterwards you use it to deny your opponent mana while you're still able to cast cards. Okay. Um, well, there's gotta be more archetypes here. So what else is on the list then? Well, to be honest, there's more archetypes than we can ever discuss here because Vintage Cube is such a deep format. You can just build your own archetype. But for the other ways that people often go is uh, ways to cheat in big creatures, which is there are, there are multiple ways to do that. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Tinker, which is like usually a turn one, eight, eight or a, a whatever the biggest artifact creature you can imagine show and tell does kind of the same thing which is putting it from your hand into play uh there's also sneak attack which is another way to attack your opponent crucial brand or emercole on turn turn one two or three none of these are very like again they just they revolve around a very specific card if you can get a tinker early you can very easily build a deck that cheats cheats stuff in with tinker the same applies to show and tell, and the same applies to sneak attack. They're not, they're not like very different in terms of what the game plan is. And then we have the traditional one, uh, which is reanimator. And reanimator is interesting because there's there are like ten different ways to reanimate. So you don't really have to pick the key card early, but instead you're looking to pick up the payoff first because there are only a couple of really good ones to reanimate. Yeah, are, it's really just like yeah. Grizzlebrand. Um, Iona. Iona. There's a... Um, uh, is Elish Norn in the in the cube still? Yes, but that is not a, for Legacy Cube. Uh, that is not for Vintage Cube, sorry. That is oh, more of a okay. Legacy Cube target. Right. Um, and then you've got... There's some Eldrazi, right, as well? So there's... Eldrazi you can't really reanimate. Uh, unless actually, I don't remember there's, if they still have the there's an Ulamog. ones. There's, there's the new Ulamog. Fair, right? new Ulamog that works, yeah. yeah. They used to have some of those instant speed reanimate spells which work with Emrakul, the old Emrakul. But I'm not sure if those are instilled. But they, they're basically the same strategy. Just get in the fatty, attack your opponent, usually with haste or other other ways just like play a turn one eight eight all of these do the same thing <laughs> absolutely okay i'll also mention there's various tutors in this cube um some of which are better than others but they will help you get a second or sometimes third copy of whatever key card it is you're looking for so my opposition deck may splash for a, a, i forget what it's called but there's Demonic a white tutor. Well, oh, certainly, I'm playing Demonic tutor. tutor. But yeah, I would splash for an Enlightened Tutor too so that I could have a second copy of it. But Demonic Tutor is obviously the best one. Just go get it, whatever card it is that you, that you want. So tutors are also early picks for me if there's not an archetype-defining card because it means when I find one, I've got a second copy of it. Right, that's a very good point. We didn't, didn't remember those when we discussed the cards to pick early. Yeah. Take Demonic Tutor, it's good. Okay, and... Uh, there's we didn't talk really about splinter twin is that is that a viable archetype or valid valid win condition in this cube yes it's another cheaty thing like these these are all every single archetype we've discussed so far you you see the theme these are ways to cheat in big things make more things their opponent can deny your opponent from playing magic or like outright kill them with infinite damage splinter twin kikijiki all of these strategies make infinite damage on turn four, five, sometimes even on like one or two if you if you're really lucky. 
is there is there a zealous conscripts in this cube for you travis oh god i hope so <laughs> for for those that don't understand the inside joke there um travis has a clip somewhere of him calling that the last card in his library needed to be zealous conscripts to steal his opponent's nulamog uh to attack them for lethal i believe you decked them or did you actually kill them on the crackback I, it decked them, uh, but I had 21 cards in my library when they attacked, and everybody said, Scoop, don't show them your library. I was like, well, if the bottom card's the conscripts, we win. And it was, and the that felt great. And it, nice. it is confirmed in here. So, yeah, you've got all the pieces for Kiki Jiki. Yes. Yeah, so there's Splinter Twin, Kiki Jiki, Zealous Conscripts, Pestermite, Deceiver Exarc. Are there any other targets? Or are those kind of a- and Angel works with Kiki. No. Oh. So there you go. So there's there's a lot of different combos you can get there. You don't just need the the one specific card for that or the two right. specific cards for that. Okay. Is there anything else that we've really missed or should we just j- dive right into the 30-minute storm discussion? You, like you got to mention Mono Green too. Like oh, we there. did. Yes. Like Isarok I mentioned Craterhoof Behemoth earlier, but like you can kind of replace that with whatever big giant dumb green thing it is that you want to cast Avenger of Zendikar or whatever. So like just be aware as you're trying to ramp to something broken and you've done this in, in many other cubes or whatever, your opponent is trying to cheat in something broken. So I, I, I don't think this is necessarily wonderful, but it, it can present a clock on your opponent. I'm looking to do a ramp strategy when I have some of those blue cards to pair with it. Right. So that if they do, you know, get to show and tell me, it's like, whatever, I'll just turn four upheaval and then replay some elves. Congratulations. Show and tells in your graveyard now. So like, I, I want some broken stuff to go with it, but you can absolutely draft just a bunch of mana elves, big, dumb green things and win a game. Hmm. I mean, this is again, this is vintage cube. I have drafted a deck that was the most fair of all decks, which basically was like mana drain, counter spell, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Sounds very no, fair to me. There's like no cheating things ever. I won by ultimating my Jace the Mind Sculptor by just can't like countering everything they were doing or destroying their relevant permanence. You can do that. It is available to you. You can probably win a lot of game games with that if you uh, like build and play it correctly. But that's not really in the sense like spirit of of Vintage Cube. You're supposed to try to go for the filthy things. How about a turn one channel fireball you to death? Yeah, that sounds a little better. And I think it's also worth mentioning, uh, Isarok, what do you think of the swords in this cube? Uh, sort of light and shadows, sort of body and mind, etc. There are two swords you can play in this one, and they are uh, body and mind and fire and eyes. And even fire and eyes is kind of sketchy. Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat, and that's coming from somebody who likes aggressive strategies. Right. So, like, a lot of times I'll open a sword and chat will go nuts, and I'm like, guys, these aren't actually good here. Body and mind is good still. Yeah, body and mind's good. It kills you just in, need to like, hit two hits. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's no, even with the legendary planeswalker change, uh, there's no Jace uh, tribal here, right? You could do that. But, no, I mean, it's not really. thought is pretty good. <laughs> But not really. I think it's, I think it's just best... my goal to go uh, two drop Jace into three drop Jace into a four drop Jace. <laughs> I think and at some best... point flip the original two drop Jace. Sorry about that. I think the best you can do with the planeswalker change is play five Garruks. <laughs> can you curve them? I'm not even going to look at that. I don't. I don't need Chad in there's, there's a Chad. four, four, five. And wait, is the six still in here? Oh no, there's only three Garruks left in the cube. 
It, oh they my took God. out the seven drop, right? That's going to be come up in the changes. They took out the seven drop, Garrick. They no. understood how powerful Garrick Tribal would be and right. went ahead and preemptively nixed it. Fair enough. You could play Jace Tribal, those four Jaces then. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just dive right into, uh, into Storm. Take it away. All right. So uh, if you're not aware, Storm is, an, Storm is one of the, uh, like, defining archetypes for vintage cube it is something that people often consider to be the thing to do when you're doing these filthy things and storm is when piloted correctly it looks beautiful and it is a very very like intricate thing to watch and especially when you when you play it understanding how it works is is something like math nerds will orgasm for uh, in Vintage Cube, th- just saying that there's a Storm deck is, in my mind, slightly incorrect. Because there are a couple of variations of Storm that all end- like they all end up playing the same payoff, which is one of the, one of the key Storm cards. Often uh, Brain Freeze, which mills your opponent out, or Tendrils of Agony, which straight kills your opponent. There are a couple of other storm cards which are less exciting. Uh, Empty the Warrens is one of those, which often doesn't kill your opponent on the same turn. So it's slightly sketchy because he, it can backfire to like a Wrath of God or a Toxic Deluge. And uh, in fact, my my most favorite storm card is Mind's Desire, which in itself never straight wins the game. But you know, it often casts things that will win you the game for it. It leads to more degeneracy. Oh, yes. It's like when you when you start building your Storm deck, I think there's there's two key variations of Storm. The first one is the traditional Storm that people see played in, in like actual legacy tournaments or, or equivalents. Or even the, even the modern Storm deck is pretty similar to this one, which is the blue-black Storm that often revolves around Yagmoth's Will. There's uh, the, the the modern has the same version of uh, the burning. What's it called again? Past uh, in flames. Past in flames, which basically does the same thing in terms of what the storm is trying to achieve, which is cast your spells and then cast them again from your graveyard to achieve a ginormous storm count, and then just tenders your opponent for how many ever damage you want to do. You usually need 10 drills. Yes, that is that is the joke. <laughs> that's where the that's where the card name comes from. So, uh the Yawkmoth's wheel deck uh is like the way the deck functions is that you need to draw a critical amount of cards that generate more mana, cards that draw more cards, and your key piece of killing your opponent. Often, Yagmon's Will is the it, it is the premium one that draws you more cards because it basically draws you as many cards as are in your graveyard, which is more than seven in most cases. But if you don't have Yagmon's Will, you can also achieve the same result with Time Spiral or Time Twister or any of the other draw seven effects in the cube. Uh, there's a lot of cards we like to call draw sevens, even though they don't specifically draw seven. For example... Uh, one of the cards that got cut, which was Past in Flames, I love Past in Flames, the Seasons Past, 
technically was a draw seven. Yagmut's bargain is a draw seven. Yagmut's will is a draw seven because they all draw you. Yeah, they all draw you a pile of cards that you can continue storming off. And the, the ways to generate mana are usually instants that just like instants that go dark ritual makes you three black mana or mana rocks that generate more mana than they cost, such as Moxen, uh, time, uh, the, the mana vault, mana crypt, you know, cards like this that are just like positive mana for casting this spell. Right. Um, what about cards that uh, are neutral on mana? So like uh, a treachery is not a, not a, not one necessarily for storm but it is a good example where it's essentially free you pay five mana and then you untap five lands what about what about cards like that yeah that those are fine but often you want to have more resources than you spent so if it's a card that replaces itself but generates a storm count such as gitaxian probe that's good because it's a free storm count but if you're just like casting a spell casting a card from your hand with no visible change except you've made a storm count. Not necessarily what you really want to go for, but they're sometimes fine if they have additional side effects that can like help you help you get off. Uh, one of those often is the uh, Frantic Surge, which basically is a zero mana spell that you go down a card, but you do get to loot away two cards into two card to other cards that could potentially help you go off faster all right this is yeah so that's that's like the blue black storm that people often consider to be the you know regular storm deck because that's that's what they see in all the like constructed tournaments right so what's the other storm deck then that you were talking about the other storm deck which is by far my most favorite deck in this entire format which is Palinchron. This deck often requires the actual card Palinchron to work, but you can achieve the same result in a like a less less infinite manner with other effects that untap your lands. So the joke about this deck is that there are a bunch of cards that let you let you tap your mana that lets you tap your lands for more than one mana. High Tide, your islands tap for an extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heartbeat of Spring, all your lands tap for extra. There's also now a Mana Flare. There's a Mirari's Wake. There's a bunch of cards that just let you ca- tap your lands for extra mana. And then you use a card such as Frantic Surge, or uh, I believe it's Time Time Twister. Oh god, I can, ne- I can never remember which way it is. Time Spiral. Time, time, time Spiral untaps your lands. Time Spiral is yeah, the one okay. that is... It's two words, time and spiral, and time twister is one word. Yeah, time spiral is the one that untaps your land. So you basically spend six mana to generate 12 mana and draw seven cards. This often works the best with the card Palinchron, because then you can just like make your lands tap for extra, tap seven lands, make 14 mana, cast Palinchron for seven, bounce into your hand for four, and ta-da, you generated three mana. And a storm count, and you can l- repeat this process infinitely. Then hope you have your win condition in your hand or cantrips to find it, and GG game over. Yeah, that's usually how it works. But I think that's that's the like that's my favorite card or, or favorite storm deck because it is it's more 
Like it's it's basically more convoluted. I enjoy convoluted things when it comes to vintage cube. Again, because you you are a monster. <laughs> I am a monster. Thank you. I'm aware. But it's like when you when you get to do these like sweet things with cards you often don't get to do. Like I'm pretty sure nobody nobody ever in Construct Magic ever cast Mirai's Wake and Palinkron, right? Right? No, not no? ever. Right? No. Yeah. No, but it's like it's not it's it's a good feeling to see that whatever you build, because this this deck often ends up being a huge pile of jank that requires four or five colors to function. But it's a beautiful thing to see when you get when you get it to work. You get to like figure out all these little things. There's a lot of li- very little things that can go wrong. Like you spend one wrong color of mana to your spell, floating the wrong color or something like this. That is like then it blows up in your face because you just you made a poor choice and you lost. And the best part is you know why you lost and it was all your fault. <laughs> Well, that, that's the thing about the Storm deck is it's kind of doing its own thing. And I, one of the things I like about the Vintage Cube is it's got something for, you know, <clears throat> Spike, Johnny, and Timmy, oh, right? Yeah. And this is certainly the Johnny deck. Uh, I, well, I would argue that in the right hands, it's probably a Spike deck, though. It's I'd, pretty I'd powerful. Say the, I'd say the blue-black Storm deck is more of a Spike thing. And okay. the Palinchrone... Four, four or five color one is the it's the Johnny thing. <laughs> okay, like the Palinchrome deck is the one that I get I got to play villainous wealth in because I made a huge amount of mana. I made forty mana, and then I stole your entire deck. First of all, like emptying your library, which means you're gonna lose during your turn. Plus, I also get to cast everything that was in your deck. Yeah, that sounds just, like a Johnny move to me. There's yeah. just no better way to play Magic. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of kind of cards we talked about in the in the green deck. There's a lot of elf cards. There's a lot of cards in this this cube that generate extra mana, right? That are net positive for your storm count. Here. Yeah, desperate yeah. ritual, pyretic ritual, seething song, and that's only in red. Mm, those um, are all, those are some of the new ones. Oh, they they weren't even in previous iterations. No, of the cube. no, they added a lot of mono red uh, storm into this cube. So what are kind of these replaceable, not necessarily replaceable cards, but um, the cards that you will see a lot of that you're, are, you need them to enable your storm. Um, but if you don't get the first one, you should be able to pick them up later. Like these rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other cards that you're looking for? Kind of like the, the secondary cards. So you need your finishers. You need your palindrome or your, or your, I guess your Yawgmox will not necessarily your finisher. You need your storm cards that are actually finished the game, empty the Warrens, things like that. What are those cards that kind of the oil for your engine? What makes it tick? What makes it tick? Uh, the key pieces are often a like a critical amount of draw sevens. That's where you're aiming for. Since there's a lot of them in this cube, but they are also relatively high pick for a lot of decks, such as like Wheel of Fortune is definitely something that people are like, oh, that's a storm card. But in this cube, Monored Burn can also just take it and, you know, tap their, their mocks and their uh, uh, Mana Vault to draw seven burn spells and shoot them all in your face. You're not restricted to putting your, your time twister in only your storm deck. You can just, you could play your, uh, your opposition deck. Heck and, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not casting anything anyway. Yeah. yeah turn, turn one and two vomit out your elves, turn three time twister, continue the process, find your opposition, stop your opponent from doing anything with their seven cards. So, 
even though there are, are a lot of these seven draw sevens, you're going to need more than one. If you don't have any, you're probably screwed. Can I get a lesson on how to play Lion's Eye Diamond? Since I think that this is a, a card that, nice. that obviously your Storm decks will want, mm-hmm. but I don't think necessarily that your average player will know how to use Lion, Lion's Eye Diamond and will probably just skip the card entirely. Right. Lion's Eye Diamond is one of the most interesting cards to play in Magic because it has a cost that is... I don't think any other Magic card has this similar cost that is, compared to its effect, probably, in in regular cases, useless. Because the cost is to discard your entire hand. And the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about draw sevens. Which is usually what you're comboing this with. Usually. I'll tell you a funny story about an Anticipate and a Lion's Eye Diamond later. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, something you don't often get to do in Magic is hold priority. Which is... I'm pretty sure most players who just play standard or draft don't ever use. It is pointless, not necessary in in like modern magic almost at all. And holding priority means that you get to activate multiple things in a row, put them all on the stack at the same time, and your opponent doesn't get to respond between each of these like activations or or spell castings. So the way Lionside Diamond often works is that you play out your LED, the, the shorthand for Lion's Eye Diamond, you play out your LED, you play out everything else you want from your hand, and you put your Time Twister on the stack. So you hold priority, cast Time Twister, and in response to Time Twister, you crack your LED for three mana. You discard That's your using hand. the control key on Magic Online. Yes, Very hold true. control. Yes. Holding control is holding priority. Yes. Hold it down until your time twister is on the stack and it will let you crack your LED in response to your own time twister. It will generate three mana and then you let time twister resolve, drawing you seven cards. You're still floating the three mana from the LED. Yeah, and and, and the reason you do this is because obviously you want to discard zero cards with your Lion's Eye Diamond. Yes. Right? Um, so so that that's the strategy there. And I think that this is a card that... I mean, obviously, it's like a free storm count. It's everything you want in a storm card. It's oh, yeah. it's your Black Lotus, right? It's, um, it's strictly better Black Lotus. Right. So <laughs> strictly I, I'm not Black actually Lotus. kidding. I, I'll tell you another thing about uh, LED. Or do you want to do you want to go for it? Don't, no, tell right. us the story. Yes. Well, it's not really a story. It's it's another thing that makes LED better than Black Lotus in a storm deck, especially in a, a blue black storm deck. Because Yagmoth's Will lets you cast cards from your graveyard, any cards, right? Mm-hmm. If you cast if you cast your LED out, you have a bunch of cards in your hand, you put your Yagmoth's Will on the stack, and you crack your LED, which basically means all the cards in your hand go into your graveyard before Yagmoth's Will resolves. And they don't get exiled. They don't get exiled, and then Yagmoth's Will resolves, and you get to cast those cards from a graveyard. But first you cast your LED from the graveyard with no cards in your hand. It is basically just Black Lotus. And then you start casting the other cards that Yakmoth will let you cast. Oh, so you get to keep... Oh, I, I see. So if you have a hand of cards, you get to essentially keep them. Yes. They're free. And you get a free Lion's Eye Diamond. 
Yes. Strictly better Black Lotus. Yes. There are also, like, there are actually a lot of benefits for putting your cards in the graveyard rather than having in your hand. But those are those are the, the small things you get to discover as you explore Storm to a deeper level. And we so only get I'm, to use them this time of year. I love it. Yeah. So if I'm starting to draft this, I need to start with draw sevens because everybody wants them. What's the next key piece? Am I looking for the, the tendrils, the brain freeze? Yes. I, or am I looking for the enablers? Like, So I know to start with draw sevens. What's my next priority? Well, actually, I changed it around in that if you're going for the traditional storm deck, you first want to pick up your storm card. If there's a pack that has... If 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 you're forcing storm, let's assume you're forcing storm, and you why have would a we because you are. Why would why would you storm? Or why would you force storm? I don't know. That's because it's the best thing you can do in Magic. Well, let's say you are you're dead set on playing storm, and you open up a pack that has Black Lotus, Tendrils of Agony, and a Time Twister. What would you pick? If you're forcing storm, yes. I mean. To be honest, like, wouldn't Black Lotus be better than your than your your kill condition or not? I guess you need to, this is let's, only let's really three kill conditions, right? Yeah, let's assume you're you're forcing the you're blue forcing storm, storm, not the Palinchron storm. I mean, I I guess you have to take your kill condition because there's really yes. only three, right? Or there's two in blue black. Practically only two because uh, usually empty the wardens is it's risky, but it sure it, it most of the time it does kill your opponent the following turn. Okay. But even still, there's only three kill conditions then. Basically, yes. There's still the Mind's Desire, which is more of a Palinchron thing, but yes. Okay, so like, are you not taking the Lotus then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you're forcing, if you really, really want to do Storm, you're taking the Tenders of Agony, because you can't win if you don't have Tenders of Agony in your blue-black Storm deck. That's that's a false statement, but you get my point. It's like because yeah. there are there are the two win conditions. If someone else takes it, you're not going to have it. I've watched you kill somebody with a mana gorger hydra in a storm deck. Oh yeah, I still have a screenshot on my on my desktop, which was actually from the Legacy Cube, the previous cube. Or was it Legacy Cube? It was from the previous cube anyway. But there's a there's a there's a turn three or a turn. It was a turn four mana gorger hydra that has six counters on it. It's on yeah. my desktop. <laughs> but yes, I have made a, a 21-21 Mana Corger Hydra as my Storm Wind condition. But this was a Palinchron deck, not a blue-black Storm deck. Okay. Okay. So, Storm cards, kill conditions. Yeah, to be fair, take the Black Lotus. Just, 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 just take don't, the Black Lotus. Just don't, don't, just don't force the Storm and play something else? No, no. It's just like, take the Black Lotus. You're going to have a deck. You're going to have a better deck. It might not be blue-black Storm, but you're going to have a better deck if you take the Black yeah. Lotus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But... Critical piece. Your win condition is a critical piece that you almost have to take. Draw sevens, fast mana. So that fast mana simple, right? is those are your black lotuses, your mocks, your uh, mana dark bolts, ritual, dark rituals. Ritual. Oh, so even all the instants and sorceries too. So anything, the red anything ones. that makes more mana. Because uh, unlike other like filthy cheaty decks, you're only going to need this mana on one turn. You're not going to need it for for like three turns in a row. Sure, you can you can probably benefit from having a, a like a mana vault which lets you cast a Yagmos bargain, and then you can go off next turn still having the mana from from the vault. But for the most part, you are interested in these cards to have mana on the turn you go off, because they will also generate the storm count, which will then kill your opponent. 
Right. Okay. And then you're looking for what else then? You're looking for cheap cantrips, right? Cantrips are great. Yep. They let you build up to your, your thing. Uh, things that go looking for specific things. Obviously, we, we encountered the tutors. Like, of course, tutors are great because then you don't have to have, like, you will basically have multiple copies of your draw sevens, your ring conditions, whatever you require. But if you need more fast mana, you can just tutor up your dark ritual and go off next turn with that. If you just need a storm count, on the same turn, dark uh, demonic tutor for black dark ritual, that's mana neutral, you get two storm count. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like other things that let you filter through your deck, ponders great, uh, impulse, stuff that just like replaces itself, necessarily not going to be the card that you cast on the turn you go off, but it will find you your draw seven and your fast mana and your win conditions to go off on the turn you want to go off. Is there any room for disruption or removal? Lightly. Uh, most storm decks often play spell-based disruption, such as Thought Seizes and Duresses, to take your opponent's <coughs> excuse me, cards that would interact with you. Like You're not interested in cards that they use to kill you necessarily, but you're interested to take away the cards that would prevent you from winning. For example... Uh, your opponent is playing the black-white Death and Taxes deck, and you turn one to rest them, and you see that they have uh, like a 1-mana 3-1 and a 2-mana 4-4, four, four, and at their own duress, you always just take the duress, because that is the card that you care about, because it's going to take something from you away. What is the Storm deck scared of from the other side of the table? So if I'm if I'm playing Vintage Cube and or and, and I haven't played very much and I haven't drafted my own Storm deck and I realize I'm against a good version of one, what should I be doing to try to beat it? What should you be looking for? Well, if you ask most people, <laughs> people are going to say you should look to play Thalia. But in my opinion, Thalia is actually not a very good hoser for Storm. I have beaten so many Thalias. And unfortunately the card that they just took out which is spirit of the labyrinth which was the best storm hoser in the entire cube is now gone i think your best chance to beat storm is to a be very very much faster than them this usually means uh like a channel fireball deck which you know just kills them on turn one two three four uh something that is equally filthy, such as another Storm deck or a Splinter Twin or something along those lines. Or just, you know, plain old Disruption. You can you can play your own Hymnothorax. You can play your own, own Duresses and Thoughtseizes. Those are, those are by far the best cards to play against Storm, is to take away their key piece from their hand. Strip away their draw seven, and they're no longer going off next turn. Uh, Hymnothorax, they're both, both of their, like, lands away, and they're not, if, if they don't have much mana, they can't go off again. I mean, anything that prevents them or slows them down is is great. Okay. Great. You can blow up their mana rocks with that braid. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Um, any other questions about, about Storm? I, I can't will, think of anything. Yeah. I will guess, you at some point come on stream and show me how to do this? I will. I will definitely do that. That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. But like so far, we've we basically looked at the traditional storm deck, which is the Yogmonswe, the blue black, blue black uh, style yes. storm deck. We haven't yeah. even talked about. We haven't really gone too deep into the Palinchron deck, which 
it, you know, it, it again, the same way that I say that the, when I describe it this way, the blue black storm sounds very trivial. You, you pick up your win condition, you pick up your draw sevens, you pick up your, your fast mana and you win, right? That sounds really easy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The same way that Palachrone deck works the same way. You pick up your fast mana, which in this case, case means uh, something that, you know, makes your land produce multiples. This could be uh, the the heartbeat of string style effects, or it could be what's the blue one? Uh, I keep forgetting card names. High tide. High tide. You can pick up high tide and play basically a mono blue storm deck. I've also done this. It's great. The same way you you have to prioritize the the mana the mana producing effects. But when you're doing this one, when you're doing the palinchrome deck, there are less of these effects. So you're you're kind of like. When you're drafting the deck, you have to realize what strategy you're going for, which flavor variation you're going for, what kind of win conditions you're aiming to build, because this will affect your draft picks in like the priorities in which you're picking your cards. There's there's a very high potential that the Palinchron deck doesn't need a draw seven. If your if your hand is like uh, a bunch of lands, a Sakura type elder type of effect that puts more lands into play, a Palinchron. And an Emrakul and High Tide. You just won the game. Yeah, you don't need your draw seven. This is all you need. Or you just need like specific cards you can put to Demonic Tutor in your deck and you can find one of these key pieces. So the Palancron deck, you basically first pick the Palancron and then they're just eyes wide open for Mirari's Wake, High Tide, Heartbeat of Spring, Mana Flayer, something that will let you. Yeah generate the infinite mana and then it almost doesn't matter what it is that you kill them with it could be a, no. a fireball <clears throat> no yeah that works fireball is great i think one of my favorite ones to do with the palinchron deck is because you can if you have the infinite mana you can also generate infinite storm and then if your deck contains any number of the old Deldrazis, such as emrakuls and uh, uh ulamog kozilek you can just mind desire for them and cast them for free Okay, okay. And then maybe put one of them in your graveyard and shuffle your library back so you don't die to decking. <laughs> now is, that's degenerate. And this it's like dirty. I'm not I'm not necessarily killing you this turn by brain freezing you or or tendrilsing you. But here's a board state that you can never deal with unless you kill me in your next turn. Right? This you're an evil person. You realize that? <laughs> yes i know thank you okay all right do you ever time out on magic online playing this deck or do you have it down to a science for your infinite combos because that is a problem on magic online right is those yeah, infinite combos is, if you're if your opponent right. doesn't scoop right people often don't scoop to t- like storm decks until they're dead on board such as they they often scoop to your tendrils so you don't have to click them 20 times or whatever but Palinchrone is a card I do not recommend picking up if you don't know what you're doing. You will time out. Perfect. Okay, so lean but more is, toward the blue-black yeah. for your first time, and then we'll watch you draft it on stream. Right, when you, Many... get, a, when you get a grasp on the on what the Palinchrone deck is doing, because it's, like, the Palinchrone deck definitely thrives on you picking lands, because it is a four-color deck, or even a five-color deck. Say, you're, you're playing... You're playing Palinchron, a blue card. You're playing Mirari's Wake. That's a green and white card. You're playing your Demonic Tutor. That's black. And then you're missing red for your Wheel of Fortune. There you go. Five colors. You will yeah. need lands. Okay. How do you guys feel about doing a, a sample pack here? 
Ooh, sign me up. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is this is pick one, pack one. We're not forcing anything, but I'm not. Tommy is. But we'll 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 see what the we'll see what the pick one, pack one is out of this one, uh, and All you right. guys can help me out kind of in my my card evaluation. All right. All right. So these are in no particular order, obviously. So first card up is Dig Through Time. For those that don't remember, it's a Cons of Tarkir Delve card, um, which is uh, look at the top seven of your library and pick two of them. So it's a eight mana Delve draw two out of your top seven. I've often called that card the Double Demonic Tutor. The Double Demonic Tutor. Because you're basically looking at your entire deck here. <laughs> basically, yeah. Basically. Uh, we've got Is It Charm? Uh, Blue-red for an instant, which is a modal card. Uh, counter non-creature spell, unless it's controller pays two. Uh, it deals two damage to target creature or draw two cards, then dis two, discard two cards. Uh, Mox Diamond, which is not quite the mox we're looking for here. Um, it's the one where you have to s uh, discard a land card when you play it. Uh, Wall of Omens, one and a white for an 0-4 defender that draws a card when it comes into play. Uh, Orzhov Signet, we know Signets. Factor Fiction, sweet. Uh, that's a format instant. Look at the five, or reveal the top five cards of your library. Your opponent picks, makes them two into two piles. You get to pick one. Imperial Seal, which is uh, one of the tutors. This one goes on top of the deck. Uh, Wrath of God, your typical four mana Wrath card. You got Boros Charm, which is another modal spell. Uh, this is four damage to the face, indestructible or double strike. Uh, Vidalcan Shackles, which is kind of interesting in a control deck. We didn't really talk about that. Uh, this is the one, this is the three mana artifact that you can tap down, uh, sorry, gain control of a creature as long as you keep the artifact tapped and uh, you need islands to, to activate this. So you need to have uh, more islands than the power of the creature that you're taking. We've got our one piece of, uh, or one land here in the Hollowed Fountain, which is the uh, the white blue shock land. Putrid Imp, which is a uh, reanimator kind of enabler. This was in the Vintage Masters set, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. uh, here's Enlightened Tutor. So this is uh, the white tutor. This one goes onto your library as well. And then you got Big Daddy Crater Hoof Behemoth, which is the eight mana um, finish your opponent off when you have a bunch of elves on the table. So what uh, what stands out to you? I don't see any storm cards here, unless you count the tutors as the storm cards. There but uh, what's what's down? What stands out to you? Three storm cards in this. Uh, four storm cards in this. Oh, so this is this is uh, my if experience. Playing, if here. you're playing party and polycarl, there's five storm cards. So lay the knowledge beats on us here. What are what did All I right. miss? Uh, oh, actually, before we go that, can I have the first two cards again? Dig through time and is it charm? Right, it was DTT as well. Oh, sorry, there's one more. <laughs> so it's just half storm cards yeah it is and like i said you, you you will have cards these are you're not going to be short on cards to play in your archetype uh let's first start with what would you guys pick uh i'm gonna it's a toss-up for me between the orzov signet the hollowed fountain and the crater hoof but since there's no elves here i'm i'm probably going to take the crater hoof and go into a crater hoof strategy with this one but like the the signet and the fountain are very close to that for me I'm also taking Crater Hoof because every time I've played this cube, I've drafted Crater Hoof and I'm like, well, might as well keep that streak alive. But there's also no other green cards, which is like the, the simulator that I'm using here probably isn't doing color balancing. I don't know if Moto, if the, the cube packs on Moto are color balanced, but I yeah, being recall. the only green card in this one is right. probably pretty good for that. 
All right. Well, first of all, we come back to the the same thing I said at the very beginning of this of this podcast is that this cube tosses out everything you know about regular limited formats straight out the window. Color is not a signal. So by picking a green card, you're not passing a signal that so you're trying to pick green cards. Because most of these decks, sure, they might be one, they might be like monocolored, but there are enough cards that there will be like there could be two monocolored mono mono green drafters in this pod, and they will both have an amazing deck. Mm-hmm. So what you should be considering is passing a signal for an archetype, which Crater Hoof definitely is. Okay. So this is a very, very small difference, but it is a crucial difference here. So by passing cards like the land and the, the signet, those are those are not signals because everybody can take them as long as they're playing at least one of those colors for things we uh, like reasons we've discussed earlier. But for me, there are there are like well, there's there's one card that I'm gonna pick a hundred percent. But then there are arguments for other cards if you're trying to already go for a specific strategy, which again we're talking we we discussed about forcing a thing. And while in a regular draft, forcing is a horrible idea. In Vintage Cube, you can theoretically force an archetype. It might not result in the best possible deck of that archetype, but you will have a reasonable deck as long as you know what you're doing. So let's go over first the cards that I would pick for a specific strategy. Enlightened Tutor. If you're trying to play... Uh, one of the enchantment-based strategies, such as Opposition or Sneak Attack, you will want Enlightened Tutor. And again, since picking up, fixing is rather easy in this in this format through Signets, Shock Lands. There's there's so much lands and so many lands in this in this format that you can easily splash for your Enlightened Tutor. If you want to go for Sneak Attack, pick up that Enlightened Tutor. If you want to go for an artifact-based thing that revolves around a specific artifact. Take the Enlightened Tutor. Hoof has the same purpose. It is a very, very good payoff for the L strategy. I often don't like picking up Hoof itself this early because there's a saying that applies to most uh, modern plus cubes, which is there's always more green fat. (laughs) That's true. It doesn't even need to be green. You could play a blue fat or a colorless fat. There's always more big things to pay off for your for your ramp strategy so if i would go for a ramp strategy i'd rather start picking off the elves instead of the payoffs okay i would not pick the land or the signet here because i don't consider those to be near the power level of these other cards i'm discussing and the other one of these that are like open picks is dig through time and this this kind of falls in the same same category as ponder and brainstorm and like other cheap cantrips that let you <clears throat> uh, dig your dig through your deck <laughs> for your critical piece that you want to want to use to win the game, such as uh, whatever you could be like you could be looking for your reanimate spell. You could use your dictative time to look for your reanimate spell. We had the there's there was the imp. You can ditch your cards to the imp until you have enough mana to cast your DTT, not exiling your Rizzo brand, and then dig for the, the reanimate and 
reanimate your grizzled brand or something like this. So DT tips is a, is a very open pick that you will play in almost any deck that you put an island in. For Storm, uh, for Storm, the second most important card in this in this pack is Mox Diamond. Discarding a land is trivial because like you, you get to draw seven. Yeah, you can only play one land a turn. So when you draw seven, you're gonna have you know average two three lands in your hand. You can just play your Mox Diamond, ditch a land, play play other spells, draw draw another seven cards. So it's like you didn't really, really, you didn't even really discard a card because the land never mattered. But the card that I am going to take from this pack is Imperial Seal. It is by far the single most powerful card out of this pack. By far. It is single mana. It finds up anything. And basically being down a card from not immediately getting it into your hand is again just almost a a like a non-problem. Either you you could just like cast this on turn one, tutor up your show and tell. Next turn that sounds pretty good. Next actually. turn play another box, cast show and tell. It is so important that like this this card lets you it enables you to do anything at all. It does go into any black deck that's looking to do combos. And I, I think the combo decks are decks that are looking for three pieces like Storm and Reanimator or that are looking for two pieces like, you know, Show and Tell, Kiki Jiki. Right. So it, it's going to fit nicely in any of those. You're right. I mean, I would play that in my in my green blue ramp deck. Yeah, for sure. I, when I'm, your opposition. Yeah, it's like when I'm when I'm looking for my opposition, I find it. When I'm looking for my creator who behave, I find it. If I'm really looking for an elf, I will find one. Yeah, yeah, you could do worse. Okay. That's good. Right. No power, but whatever. There's lots of opportunity to open power here. It's it's relative. Again, it's like like I said, uh LED is <laughs> sometimes jokingly called the strictly better Black Lotus, which actually sometimes is true. It's it's like you don't necessarily want to open power because some cards that are not in the power nine are more powerful than the actual power nine to have in your deck. And I yeah. think like one of one of those cards is Demonic Tutor. I think Demonic Tutor is often more powerful than Ancestral Recall, especially in Storm decks. Yeah, and you just feel so bad not taking Ancestral Recall, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've never experienced that. I've taken it every time I've opened it. Yeah, so you will. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But yes, you will. See, that's why I like paper draft sometimes, because I can do those things where it's like, you know, if anybody saw me do this, uh, they would they would chastise me. <laughs> but I'm just going to pass, you know, obviously in, in I wouldn't do it in Vintage Masters, but like, you just, you know, you just need a thick skin. Yeah. So you can I, you can shun off all the all the stupid ideas about why didn't you pick that Black Lotus? The guy beside me. Why didn't you take this Black Lotus? Oh, there was like a, a mock Sapphire and I'm already blue, man. Like, you know, eh. <laughs> and you're like, what you need to do is cube team Rochester draft. And that will get you over all of the silly things here, because then your entire team will give you crap. If you start to think something like that and just slap you in the face and be like, no, idiot, take it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that. I don't right. want that. I just want to make my mistakes. Well, that was good. That was a great primer on cube thank you for coming on tommy we really appreciate it so now we're gonna we're gonna pump your your tires a bit here where can they find you on uh, on twitch so that they can come and watch you draft storm and live vicariously through you Mm. you can find me starting on the 21st 
of this month on twitch.tv slash Isaroc, I-S-E-R-O-C. I will be doing, shameless self-plug, I'm going to be doing a, uh, what, did, what did I call it again? What, what Pushing for Partnership it? December. Ah, yes, you're working on your partnership. So yes, we need... Yes. Uh, you need about uh, well, you need you need some viewers, but you're pretty I close to, to that. I need to increase my average viewer current count by about fifteen, and I can reach the partnership achievement that which is set. That's Outst- my goal for the end of the year. Outstanding. So we'll. Uh, I think we have fifteen listeners, so that may actually work out <laughs> great. That's true. Give them a follow, uh, especially over the holiday season. You know, like you've got family over, and like you know, after Christmas, it's just kind of like the winter depression of, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't have to work. What am I going to do? Just watch, watch them draft storm. It's amazing. Put it on your TV in the background. It's like, it's better than Christmas music. It's better than the fire, the fireplace log on public television. I just promise I will not play a single copy of any jingle pedals or anything. I, I kind of dislike Christmas music, so you will not be hearing that on my channel. There you go. All the gifts will be given on that channel. None of the Christmas music. Oh, yeah. All right. And uh, Travis, you'll be drafting this, I'm sure, quite a bit. I will. I will not be forcing Storm, but I'll have at least uh, once for Tommy to come on and show me how. Or maybe I, if you're pushing for partner, I can come on your channel and you I can show me works. how over there. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. But you can find me at twitch.tv slash Simulan. And I'm on Twitter under the same handle as is Tommy at Iceroc for him at Simulan for me. Yep. Actually, and- my Twitter is IceRockMTG. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, just search Isaac for is my Isaac. personal account that kind of just like died off. So I made a new one called Isaac MTG. Okay, and uh, you know me, I'm D Civilian. That's D S A V I L L I A N. And actually, you should follow the Men from Moto on uh, on Twitter as well. That's Men from Moto. We'll see uh, show notes, and we'll uh, we'll throw some links up there for uh, for Isaac's channel as well when he's when he's running it. So. Thanks again for for listening. I hope your Vintage Masters continues to go well, Travis. And I hope your cube, everyone, Merry Cubemas. Merry Cubemas. And a happy happy Rivals of Ixalan year. (laughs) Indeed.